This is Minnesota Public Radio News live coverage here. We're bringing you news today of the news. Pop music superstar Prince found dead in his home this morning in suburban Minneapolis, a suburb called Chanhassen. Uh, we have confirmed that through the Associated Press and from The Current here, our sister music station uh, as well. And we've had uh, reaction coming in, including from you, 1-800-242-2828-651-227-6000. We'd love to hear your thoughts here today. As we learn more, although we haven't learned a lot, we know Prince died today at the age of 57. Uh, Carver County Sheriff's deputies arrived at Paisley Park, his recording studio there this morning after a call about a medical emergency. We don't know the cause of death. We do know last week Prince's plane reportedly made a stop in Moline, Illinois, because he was suffering flu-like symptoms. We got the word then, after a brief hospitalization, that he was fine. And we don't know if that news last week about the flu symptoms are related to today's news, that he has, in fact, died. And actually, just last Saturday, Prince hosted a dance party out at Paisley Park. Here's another indication of, uh, well, the scale of this news we're getting uh, we're getting words and statements here from elected officials here. Senator Al Franken of Minnesota. Prince got his start in a Minneapolis jazz band and went on to share his talent through Minnesota and the entire world. His artistry, innovation, and unparalleled presence inspired and will continue to inspire millions of people. To say he'll be missed is an understatement. My thoughts are with his loved ones. I can't help but think if some of these elected officials also weren't just a lot younger, and were fans at the time, too, so we're hearing from that as well. I'm joined in the studio here by Heather McElhatton, who actually works here at Minnesota Public Radio News, and it's a parent company, American Public Media. And uh, Heather, uh, am I reading this right? You were Prince's set decorator? I was. For 10 years. Yeah. What um, did that involve? Well, it was a great way to make money through college. I had decided to get a sculpture degree, which you can imagine there's not a lot of options when that's your path. (laughs) And someone asked if I wanted to give them a hand out at Paisley Park. Uh, And I didn't even know what that meant. And I went out there. And I think the first day I went out there, I was painting walls and kind of um, learning the ropes of building sets. And that just evolved into a decade-long stint where I built hundreds of sets for videos. We went on tour together. And Prince had a way, if he brought you into the fold, he'd use you for lots of other things, too. So I would would help him decorate the inside of his limo. (laughs) his green rooms at venues. I didn't go anywhere without a bolt of purple velvet and a trunk of pearls. I mean, that he wanted those everywhere. What are you thinking about and reflecting on here today? Shock, like everybody, sadness, admiration. You know, he had a very unique life and it wasn't an easy life, you know? I, I, didn't, I didn't start working for him. I wasn't really a fan of the music at first, but there were a couple moments that, that opened up for me um, sort of got it. And one of those moments, it was probably four in the morning and we'd been working for 20 hours. He was notorious for being able to shoot, you know, for just two days straight sometimes. So, you know, we were tired and people were sleeping on sandbags in the corner and we were still filming. And, um, he started to sing, um, pop life acoustically just by himself up Mm -hmm. on stage. And when he started to sing that, it just really hit me. Like, th- this is a song about his life, and it wasn't an easy life. Uh, we're also joined here. We want to get an update from Paisley Park. As you as we noted here, that's where the news came in from this morning. There is a, a crowd out there as well, for sure, in Chanhassen. And uh, our reporter for Minnesota Public Radio News, Reham Fashir, uh, is out at Paisley Park as well. Reham, uh, are you there? Can you hear me? Yes, Tom. Hi. 
Tell me what you're seeing. What's what's the scene? What are we looking at here today? The fans just keep coming, Tom. When we first got here, there weren't that many fans out here. They were just starting to hear the news. Now there are more and more fans starting to gather. People say that they just want to grieve with other people. They just want to be with other fans. They want to reflect on Prince's legacy. And uh, they're bringing flowers. They're bringing bouquets of purple flowers and, and signs. And they're just, they just really want to be supportive and, and want to be with each other. I'm just curious, Reham, from a, a, almost a, a logistical standpoint, are the reporters and media in a different area or is everyone just penned or put somewhere in, in one big spot? Everyone is just in one big spot. Uh, news trucks are just parked on the lawn across the street, um, and all the fans are just kind of gathering on the lawn and on the sidewalk. Everybody's across the street from the estate. Nobody um, is allowed to go near the property um, since investigators are still on the scene. Uh, authorities haven't come out to say what they're, anything yet about the investigation. Uh, they're still are still kind of behind the fence. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't have an update from them, but everyone is just kind of gathered here. And we should remind people who've never been there. I mean, this is a this is a residential, this is like, this is just a subdivision, right? This is just people showing up now en masse in, in, a, in a big subdivision, right, Reham? Right. People, people know where Prince lives and people know where, where Prince can be seen and spotted in Chanhassen. I talked to a few people who grew up here in Chanhassen. He has a, a huge, obviously a huge fan base uh, from all different ages. And, and people said that, you know, they just they would just come by here hoping to see him riding his bike or or riding in his purple limo. Or um, sometimes they would go to Lund's at 3 a.m. because that's the only time that he would be spotted at Lund's at 3, 3 o'clock in the morning. So people know. Um, where they can see prints, and, and they're just kind of <laughs> gathering here to kind of reflect on all of those memories. Yeah. And just to recap there, Reham, we don't have any more details, right? You're, you're not getting any updates on what actually happened or anything, right? No, we're not. Um, unfortunately, we don't know a lot of the details on, on what happened. So. Well, Reham Fashir is out there. We also spoke earlier with Andrea Swenson from our sister music station, The Current, uh, and we'll be out there as well, uh, giving us updates throughout the afternoon. Reham, thanks so much for that You're update welcome, as yep, well. Thank you. I want to go to the phones here as well. I want to I want to hear from you. We're hearing from a lot of people who want to just talk about this as well. 1-800-242-2828. Amy is in Minneapolis. Hello, Amy. Hi. You're, Hello. Go right ahead. Well, I, I, first of all, it's amazing that you spoke with Susan Rogers. Yeah. Um, a woman in that position, that was what was great about Prince is he really, he worked with a lot of women and he gave a lot of women opportunities and positions. Women usually don't get positions, which I think is really exciting. Um, I'm a musician here in Minneapolis and I uh, produce and direct the Cirque Rouge Cabaret and Burlesque show, which I would not do if it weren't for Prince. I, I moved to Minneapolis after seeing Purple Rain when I was 15 years old to be a musician. And so... Um, and the, the impact he had on all of us here as musicians in Minneapolis, it's as if he led us all into doing what we weren't sure we could do. But by seeing him and being a part of the scene and as involved as he was in creating the Minneapolis music scene, you know, it was just a fantastic place to grow up as a musician, to be around that and be inspired by that. Amy, tell me as a musician, put your musician hat on, help us from your perspective dissect what made a specific piece of music so great. Can, can, we, can we analyze it like that? Oh, yeah. I've analyzed that stuff like crazy. Um, you know, for example, a song like Tambourine, 
which I love to play for drummers because it's such a crazy drum beat. You've never heard anything like it. Tell me what you define that song, pop, rock, funk, R&B. Um, he was really great at, you know, Susan talked about him being a genius and, and being so great at arrangement and melody. He was really um, something at orchestrating background vocals. If you listen to an album like Under the Cherry Moon and maybe the song Do You Lie, the background vocals are an orchestra of voices, one tumbling over the other. And as a musician myself and a vocalist, I've spent hours listening to these parts. And um, it just was really outside of the box, you know, undefinable in so many ways. It's it's really interesting, Amy, and I'm going to bring Heather McElhatton here as well back into it. Just we are opening the phones and we want to hear from people at 1-800-242-2820. And we're getting these incredible calls from people who worked or knew them. I see you in the kitchen here at NPR every day. I didn't know you worked for Prince for 10 years. I mean, I'm just thinking about that impact just here in the Twin Cities as well. So many people worked there at some point. You know, those videos, all the projects that he had going, and he always had a lot of things going simultaneously, it required a large workforce. Everything from caterers to electricians and and obviously musicians. And there were a lot of women on set. And I will say, it was a crazy scene. And it was not uncommon to see women working in lingerie, like directing, directors. Um, I myself was usually in overalls and had like a toolkit with me, so not me. But people would dress in kind of cool, strange, unusual ways. People were sort of encouraged to be themselves, whoever that was. And there was always something unusual either happening or about to happen. Like, we're talking about being at the studio. I remember one shoot we were on, we had lit a lot of candles all around the edge of this big set with a lot of drapery. And the drapery caught fire. <laughs> and we rushed in to put the fire out. That's what you do when something catches fire. And Prince said, no, stop. It's my studio. I'll, I'll burn it down if I want to. Keep filming. So the whole set went up in flames. The Chanhassen Fire Department's parked outside waiting to put the building out. But legally, you can burn down your building if you want to. So we kept filming. It was amazing footage. But he had that kind of vision that none of us, we all came to understand it. But he had it first. Let's listen to Pop Life. sense that's one of the songs you'll hear if you're over at thecurrent.org as well our sister music station they are playing uh, Prince nonstop here now as well as we uh, digest the news here that music superstar Prince found dead today at his home in uh, Paisley Park Studios in Chanhassen the Carver County Sheriff's Office has confirmed this the statement also said uh, from the Sheriff's Department and the Midwest Medical Examiner's Office are investigating the circumstances of his death. Press and fans are gathering at Paisley Park, and I just got word there is a miles-long traffic jam heading to Paisley Park. So it's only going to get larger, the crowd out there. We heard from Reham Fashir, our reporter out there. But if you can just imagine, I'm sure the TV stations will get the helicopters up, and we're going to see miles of traffic heading into Paisley Park. I'm curious, Heather, you just told that that, that quirky, crazy story, right? Right. And he had, he had the eccentricities, he had the reputation of, you know, yeah. oddball stuff. But as, yeah. as he has now died, 
and we we start to think about that legacy. I'm curious. I'm wondering where the oddball stuff is going to land, especially when we compare it to the music itself. Right, right. Well, he was known for being aloof. You know, um, like I said, you had to sign an agreement that you wouldn't make eye contact. He never knew anybody's name. He called me Girl Chick. That was he would kind of make up a nickname for you, and that was it. And and you were lucky if you got a nickname. But something happened. You know, he and um, Maite, he, he dated a, a woman named Maite. They got pregnant, and, and she lost the baby. And there was a seismic shift after that. Before, the aloofness and the distance was very obvious. But after that event, he really softened. He learned my name after that. He took us out to lunch at one point. He suddenly, I don't know, something opened in him. And I guess it was always there. But that event profoundly impacted him, and I don't think he spoke a lot about it. But being in his sphere, I can tell you, it was a prince before that event and a prince after. Amanda's on the phone this morning in Minneapolis. Hello, uh, Amanda. Go right ahead. Amanda, are you there? Uh, Steph Curtis, online comments here as well. NPRnews.org slash live. Please share your thoughts there as well. Chris says, my favorite, my first favorite artist and the maker of my favorite album, Sign of the Times. Sigh. Ashley says, Prince was probably my first hint that I was queer. And Elisa Rosenberg from the Washington Post, she's a pop um, pop culture critic there. She said, here's a very brief Prince and Bowie thought. We've lost two artists who acted as reminders that there's no one right mm-hmm. way to be a man. Both in the same year, as we heard earlier from uh, Jim McGuinn at The Current. And as I noted earlier, um, elected officials, right? Officialdom is weighing in as well. Minnesota Congressman Keith Ellison, a Democrat who represents Minneapolis, issued this statement saying, my heart is heavy with the news of Prince's passing to the people of Minnesota. He was a cultural ambassador. Prince also, this is, Heather, that to that line that Steph just read. This is from the congressman. Prince showed us it was okay to be different. Mm-hmm. What did you hear from fans and, and people about just that dynamic? I think that's really important. I think that it was scary working for him to some degree because you never knew what was going to happen next. You know, we might be scheduled to shoot one thing, but he'd change his mind and want to do something totally different. And and, and it, it caused you to stay on your toes and at the ready, you know. And a lot of times we did not know what he was talking about, if he wanted this or that or, you know take this all down and I want a huge sweep of purple here and I want that and and but always after we followed his vision we would stand back and go oh oh that's what you oh yeah. that does work I get it yeah. and I can't imagine how much strength you have to have to be a person like that you know to to forge forward even when everyone around you like that's really not a good idea mm. it's not how it's done you know we already have a plan can we please he did not care about any of that and as annoying and in in, it would inconvenience you and um, be stressful. You still always realized at the end of the day that it was important to follow his vision. Back to the phones here at 1-800-242-2828 during our live coverage here from Minnesota Public Radio News. Kim uh, is in the suburb of Edina. Good morning, Kim. Good afternoon. Hey, good morning. Good an- afternoon, I should say. Go go right ahead. <laughs> oh, well, I, I was just a, a couple of things. On a personal level, I have to say, having grown up in Minneapolis, I I uh, moved to California and uh, had just landed in L.A. when Purple Rain came out. And uh, I got to tell you, it's also important to remember that Prince put Minneapolis on the map more than probably any artist had for decades. 
Um, and the fact that he kept the business here, I think, was a real early sign of his brilliance and independence. But um, I was, uh, I, I'm a singer myself and, and had a, a blues band, R&B, that sort of thing, uh, and had the honor, um, while I was getting my MFA in theater history, I had the honor of uh, doing a couple of concerts at the Smithsonian on the history of women in the blues. And um, I really believe that one of the most important things that will be remembered about Prince over the years to come is the stand that he took about use of his name and his work. Uh, you know, African-American musicians in the very early days, Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, folks like that, uh, they frankly didn't think too much of recording. Uh, they really saw that they didn't think it really mattered, frankly. Uh, but as recording became more where the power was, uh, over and over and over again, people just were uh, ended up signing their rights away and to their music, et cetera. And it happened to white musicians as well, but particularly for uh, pretty much all of the really big African-American musicians until, uh, until Motown came along. And the fact that Prince chose to use that symbol and force all of media to refer to him as the uh, artist formerly known as Prince really put that whole issue on the national stage in a way that I don't believe any artist, uh, musician before him had been able to do as effectively as he did. Because most people, unless you've really studied uh, or know much about the history of various musicians, don't know about how much um, that really cost folks. For example, um, Big Mama Thornton was the first to record Hound Dog. Many people know this now. But uh, she was paid $500 for that. And then, uh, of course, it went over to um, Elvis Presley, who made millions. Right. And she never saw another dime. And it was really that history that he was fighting as much as his own personal experience. Kim, I'm so glad you called with that. Uh, the note here says you've done a lot of research on music history. Clearly, I can hear that, and I, I really appreciate that. And as you were talking, Heather here uh, was nodding along, too, as well. So what would you add to that? Well, the name thing was big. That was a big running current uh, in his world, in our world, too, because you— had to call him by whatever his name was at that time. And so when he changed his, not, his name to the symbol, mm-hmm. he actually legally changed his name to the single, it's like the symbol, the male and female sign together. Right. Um, it was be- beautiful and very poetic, but it presented quite a few logistical problems. For example, one night I was sleeping, sound asleep in bed late at night, and the phone rang, and I answered it groggily, and a voice said, you better come down here and change all of this background. I don't like it. I don't like the color. It's not what I wanted. And I said, who is this? And there was this long, awkward silence, crickets, and then he hung up. <laughs> but it was him. A minute later, the phone <laughs> rang. It was his brother, Dwayne, saying, you, you know not to do that. Oh, no. So and you I asked said, what his name oh. Well, I just said, yeah, he couldn't. There's no sound for the symbol. <laughs> and so I got in trouble. You know, I got yelled at. And then I was like, well, how would you like me to handle this in the future? And they said, call him the artist. And I'm like, okay, so be it, whatever you want. But that was when he made a decision like that, he really stuck with it. 
We also heard this morning uh, or earlier this afternoon when Andrea Swenson joined us in the initial minutes after learning this news, uh, Andrea's with The Current, our sister music station, uh, that she had uh, spoken with Bobby Z and one of, the most, one of the people who played with Prince at the beginning of his career, part of his most successful band, The Revolution, was drummer Bobby Z. And four years ago, my colleague here at Minnesota Public Radio uh, News, Jim Bickle, spoke with Bobby Z about his time playing with Prince, and we're going to play now uh, a little excerpt uh, from that interview. Starting out with the whole Prince band before it became the Revolution, it was it was me and Prince and Andre Simone, and uh, it was kind of the you know the three of us against the world. Um, those early shows uh, with the configuration with Des and Andre up front were were, were mind blowing. Power uh, clubs like the Stone in San Francisco, the Ritz in New York. I mean, these are nights that uh, are folklore and and and. You know, the chemistry from the band to the audience was seeing, they were literally seeing somebody, you know, new. And I mean that in the truest sense of the artistic world. I mean, he was discovering himself and taking everybody, you know, on the ride. Um, that was an incredible journey. By the time I got to the Revolution, of course, the arenas and the size of the venues, uh, the Superdome in New Orleans, uh, Grammys, American Music Awards, just the sure power of it. And, you know, I mean, certainly felt like, you know, winning a Super Bowl or stuff like that. But I, I, I enjoyed the whole ride. I mean, it just really had such incredible uh, performances and experiences that, um, but the revolution was definitely the cherry on top. When you, when you get to the point where people can say, you know, Prince and the revolution and you're the drummer in a band that was in a movie, uh, that people revere as much as they revere help or a hard day's night or something. It's it's pretty overwhelming. Do you remember, remember their concerts or songs during concerts that just really sort of stand out as, as moments where you said, wow, this is something well, amazing? Think, you know, I mean, every night, playing Purple Rain every night, just that song. I mean, it's pretty unusual for a down-tempo song to be a climax of a show at the end. You know, people wait two and a half hours, three hours to hear uh, uh, basically this kind of a ballad that that just that his lyrics that uh, you know just talk about you know looking for something better and the power and of of love and healing and you know just life and it sums up the movie and it sums up the the show and it certainly was a, a powerful moment every night. And, uh, uh, People talk a lot about that. That was sort of very much the guitar, and that was very Hendrix uh, influenced or stuff. What do you What do you think? The guitar? Yeah. I, I mean, I think I mean Prince's guitar. Prince is one of the best guitar rock guitarists that ever lived, and uh, you know, ever played. And the melodies are searing. I mean, I remember hearing his guitar playing on songs like "My Love Is Forever" back in the beginning, and it's just a you know, I, I always said, like, when I first, I mean, he, he has the ability to, to the instrument to, to do what he wants with it, like a, like a glass blower or, or somebody, a pottery wheel. I and mean, it's just the music is just, you know, flows through him. And it's true art. And it's, uh, it's, it's just never contrived. It's always in its purest essence and form, perfect time, perfect pitch. He's a true gifted musician, and it's just something that can't be taught. It's, it's Mozart, you know, like Mozart. It's Bobby Z, who played with Prince's first band and with the Revolution. That's an interview with Jim Bickle of Minnesota Public Radio News, recorded in 2012, and this is Baby on a Star.
I'm a Star uh, from Purple Rain here as we bring you live coverage from Minnesota Public Radio News. The death of Prince reported here today, uh, almost two hours ago now that we got word officially from the Associated Press, age 57, out uh, at Paisley Park, his recording studio. Large crowd there forming, miles-long traffic. Uh, may I suggest also the roads are pretty slippery. It's rainy here in the Twin Cities, so um, you know, if you're out there or heading out there, uh, just take note of the roads here as well. Uh, online comment uh, as well, nprnews.org slash live. Hi, Steph Curtis. Lisa says, I once snuck onto the grounds of Paisley Park and then drove to Lake Minnetonka and jumped in <laughs> purple rain style. Ah, youth and prince love. Uh, you're talking all about the things from the movie Purple Rain, of course. And Nate Kranz is with me, general manager of First Ave, the nightclub in Minneapolis, uh, returns here to our coverage. And Nate, uh, thanks for joining us again. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So we're hearing about miles-long traffic out to Chanhassen, to Paisley Park. Tell me, is the crowd of equal uh, size there at First Avenue? Uh, you know, we don't, I, I, we don't have miles of traffic, but there is a large crowd standing on the corner of uh, First Avenue and 7th Street right now. Um, a lot of very upset people that want to, you know, get a photo with Prince's star yeah. Get a photo with the building or whatever that, you know, look like they're, yeah, people look very upset. I'm not surprised that there's a lot of traffic on its way out to Paisley Park. Uh, the building was a former Greyhound bus depot uh, and later became First Ave as the nightclub uh, and the music venue. And you were telling us earlier, Nate, surely when the movie hit and people saw First Ave portrayed in the movie, that that grew its stardom. But remind us that Prince had been playing First Ave what years before that movie, right? Oh yeah, for yeah, for many years he you know he had been playing here, doing both ticketed concerts, and he would also he was known to do a lot of pop up shows, whereas. You know, like when he played on the controversy tour, they played an arena in St. Paul, but then, on uh, you know, a few hours' notice, decide to play First Avenue the next night. Um, and I just think, you know, like it—it it was a place that he could come and experiment, try out new music in front of the crowd, and I think he felt comfortable and really at home here, so he could you know, for lack of a better term, kind of hone his set or, or, or see how people reacted to what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Nate Kranz with us from First Ave. Nate, how long have you been there? How long have you been to First Ave? I've been here for 18 years. 18 years. Um, I, I grew up in Minneapolis, and honestly, the first time I ever heard of First Avenue was the first time I saw Purple Rain when I was growing up. <laughs> and you screen the movie there occasionally too, right? Yes, we've definitely screened the movie. Um, we've we've done a lot of Prince-related things over the years. There's a lot of fans that, you know, he, he hasn't played here. He hasn't played a concert here since 2007. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of fans that want to experience, you know, something like a Prince show or a, have, a, have a First Avenue Prince experience. And so mm-hmm. periodically we always have done various, if it's the anniversary of Purple Rain or just doing a mm-hmm. Prince, Minneapolis Sound dance party yeah. every now and then. I, or... want to, I want to talk about that Minneapolis Sound a little bit more in a moment. We're going to take a very quick break, but this coverage does continue here from Minnesota Public Radio News uh, and at mprnews.org slash live. Also head over to thecurrent.org. They're playing nonstop Prince music here right now with the music, or with the death, I should say, of music superstar Prince at the age of 57. More coming up. Ooh. 
This is Minnesota Public Radio News, 91.1 KNOW, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Listener-supported radio, as I noted, mprnews.org slash live for the latest uh, there online. Tell us your comments. Send in your comments as well. Head over to thecurrent.org uh, as well. And as I noted, remember, there's that lo- a lot of traffic heading out to Chanhassen right now. But keep in mind, it's a kind of drizzly, rainy day here today. Roads aren't great. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Um, People are going to be out there for a long time, so don't don't race out there for sure, uh, please. 56 degrees right now, light rain, partly cloudy, more uh, rain uh, here for the throughout the rest of the afternoon. Clearing tonight, tomorrow should be a sunny day, highs of 60 degrees and warmer on Saturday um, with highs around 75, and then the showers and thunderstorms return Sunday, Sunday night, and into Monday. Right now it's 2 o'clock here on Minnesota Public Radio News. The music of Prince, which we are remembering and playing here today on Minnesota Public Radio News as we bring you live coverage here this afternoon of Prince's death. I'm Tom Weber. The news here today from Carver County, Minnesota. The sheriff's office there confirming Prince was found dead at Paisley Park Studios in Chanhassen. The sheriff's office and the medical examiner's office are investigating the circumstances of the death. Press and fans are gathering at Paisley Park, miles-long traffic jam heading to Chanhassen. If you've ever been there, it's a subdivision. I think there's like a water treatment plant nearby, uh, and so it's going to be a, a crowd there for sure, and crowded to get there, but a lot of fans making their way to Chanhassen. And also to downtown Minneapolis, where First Avenue, uh, the well-known music venue, the nightclub, is, and which Prince made famous. We have extended coverage here this hour, and I'd love to hear from you as well. Tell me what you're thinking about, your feelings here today, and and uh, what interactions did you have? What are the shows you went to? But even if you didn't, just tell me your thoughts here today, 1-800-242-2828. Uh, Nate Kranz is with me, the general manager of First Ave, and he was just telling me a few minutes ago about the crowd forming there. Nate, can you uh, give us the history Prince gets associated with this phrase called the Minneapolis sound. What's the Minneapolis mm-hmm. sound? <laughs> God, it's hard. It, it's hard to describe. But when you when you hear it, you know what it is. I mean, <laughs> um, obviously, in, in to me, I I hear it first in Prince, and then of course he worked so much early in his career with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who ended up really taking the Minneapolis sound and, you know, it's imagine the, the Janet Jackson records um, from the eighties. And, and they really took this kind of funk. It has, it has its own swing and, and they, and they, and they, you know, took it not just with Prince, but with, they started applying it to these other artists and having huge success all through the eighties, you know, yeah. early nineties. And it's kind of made a resurgence. Did the Minneapolis? You know, yeah, I was just going to ask: Did the Minneapolis sound stay in Minneapolis, or did everyone else then emulate it? <laughs> yeah, I think it got emulated quite a bit. Um, it, it, it definitely has influenced, you know, like I'd say at this point, more than two generations 
of, you know, pop, R&B, folk music, uh, you know, since Prince really hit the national stage. Heather McElhatton is with me. Is here is a co-worker here of mine at Minnesota Public Radio News and was Prince's set director for 10 years. I'm, mm. I, I just have to know, Heather, did Prince ever try to define the Minneapolis sound? Did he ever give you... Here's what the Minneapolis sound really is, because Nate's not the only person who struggles to have a perfect definition. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely not, because to define it would be like blueprinting ether. Uh, You know, it is what it is, and I think Prince was kinetic art. He was in the moment. He was the sound. He wouldn't, you know, if you have to describe it, you don't get it. It's already out. But I actually looked it up. The Minneapolis sound is a hybrid mixture of funk, rock, pop, synthopop, and new wave pioneered by Prince in the late 1970s. And even with all that information, <laughs> it's you not still enough. have to feel it. You have yeah. to hear it, right? <laughs> even that definition, Nate, not enough, is it? Yeah, no, not at all. Let's take calls, too. We're, we're hearing from people uh, out there. would love to hear from you. 1-800-242-2828. Osman is in Minneapolis. Hi, Osman. How are you, Sam? How are you? Very good. I'm really very sad uh, situation. I always listen NBR. The death of Prince, it touched my heart. I'm from Somalia originally. I'm uh, a small club, high school in the, my neighborhood. I used to be DJ about part-time when I was in high school. That's the time I learned the Prince for I Want to Be a Lover, the album. Since all years in my high school, I used to replay that uh, album is like a uh, amazing thing. Lately, I later then I come to United States, early 1980, and I never been in Minnesota. Prince teach me Minnesota without his music. I would never come to Minnesota. Wow. Besides the Somali <laughs> immigrant, I lived in Milwaukee, and I drove me and my couple friend and college and come to here to see some of his show, and uh, where. Uh, Purple Rain, they, uh, uh, they have a, uh, the bars in here, downtown yeah. Minneapolis. And I loved uh, uh, his music in, in years. Yeah. And- oh, sorry. I think we lost the, the connection there. But, Osmond, thanks. What a great story, uh, Nate, about going coming to Minneapolis uh, from Somalia because he had, had known Prince's music. Yeah, I wish I, I wish I had started keeping track years ago of the various countries that have been represented by people that have taken their, you know, sort of pilgrimage to First Avenue to, uh, you know, see the room, see see where Prince filmed Purple Rain and where he, you know, sort of got his start and grew up. Nate Kranz is with us from First Ave, the well-known nightclub music venue that Prince made famous as we uh, discuss here today the news. Prince, superstar has died at the age of 57. I'm of a mind. I'm, mi- I'm of a mind. Make some mookie. <laughs> Phone book. Vicki Waiting here on live special coverage from Minnesota Public Radio News. I'm Tom Weber. We're welcoming stations across the country who are bringing up this coverage and, and listening to this today, as all eyes are on Minnesota today, across the world, I might say. 
With the news that we found out now, I guess about two hours ago, pop music superstar Prince found dead at his home in suburban Minneapolis to the west of Minneapolis. It's a suburb called Chanhassen. You might not know the Chanhassen name, but if you're a Prince person, you'll know the name Paisley Park. Those are the recording studios um, where he was found dead today. The the, uh, medical examiner investigating the circumstances of his death. No information on a cause of death, although we do know a few days ago here, last week, Prince's plane made a stop in Illinois because the singer was suffering from flu-like symptoms. His team had said he'd been battling the flu for a few weeks, but also said he was fine after hospitalization. And just last Saturday... Prince hosted a dance party at Paisley Park. If you're listening online, head over to thecurrent.org as well. They're playing tribute to Prince chronologically, focusing on his entire career until 10 o'clock tonight. That's Central Standard Time. Would love to hear your thoughts here today as we uh, have our guests here, including Nate Kranz, general manager of uh, from First Ave in Minneapolis, and Toki Wright, heads me now, head of the Department of Hip Hop Studies at McNally Smith College of Music, uh, Toki, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes of your time as well today. Your your your, your thoughts today? I mean, it's devastating I mean, uh, for so many reasons. Um, first, I think it's important to note how much Prince did for young people and for all of the charitable work that he did in the Twin Cities and across the country. Uh, personally, mm-hmm. between him uh, giving to Young Movement and giving to What's Up Youth Information Line over the years. Uh, girls' conferences, the Twin City Celebration Hip Hop Festival, yeah. all that stuff wouldn't have been what it was without him you know, reaching in his pocket and, and, and not wanting to even get credit for it, not, not asking, per, purposely asking to not, you know, saying, don't, don't say that, <laughs> we, right. that he, he gave, but he was that kind of giving person. And the, and the other part is, you know, he was our black superhero. Like, he was our black superhero. Like, who, he was a person we could look up to. He was unapologetic. He, he just—it's like he had these principles of always being great, never backing down from your principles, and and being yourself, and and you know, and being able to be a black kid coming from Minneapolis, you know, from Northside, and going across the world. Like that—that's part of that's the main reason why we are what we are today in music and in, in art and culture. It's because this this person could come from the middle of here and go all around the world and be great, and it didn't matter where he was from, it didn't matter what he looked like. Yeah. And he was unapologetic, you know, open, opened a lot of people's eyes about sexuality, opened a lot of people's eyes about fashion, about movement, about love, you know, all these things that... You, that's why it's so devastating, but I think more than anything, we got to celebrate all the greatness that he gave and all of the contributions that he gave. We should be happy that we should listen to all of his albums and go back to his discography and and celebrate all that. It's interesting to to hear you say that, Toki, because it it also seems from what I'm hearing today from our guests that you could have stopped that list just at the music and the quality of the music, and there would be enough to go on and a legacy that would last um, for a long time just on the music. Absolutely. The, 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 I mean, name a Prince song that was, you can't say anything that he made was bad. I can't ever think of anybody ever saying any Prince song was bad. 
but beyond that, just what he stood for and the way that he stood, stood up to the record industry and the fact that Paisley Park exists, the fact that he would say, let me step away from everything else and do it independently for myself. Why do you, you know, why, why, listening, everybody out there, why do you think we have such an independent music culture here? Why do we have our own studios, our own spaces? Why, why do we, so many artists don't need big record labels? And do it themselves. It's because of him. So the scene in Minneapolis, which a lot of people talk about, the music scene here in Minneapolis in 2016, you're drawing a very direct and thick line back to uh, to what Prince did. Yeah, there's no way. There's no way Minneapolis music would be what it is. Minnesota music would be what it is without Prince. What's your favorite piece, Toki? I mean, that's like asking which one of my <laughs> kids are my favorite. I know. Yeah, <laughs> and I only have one. But you know, all of them. What 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 can I say for different reasons? Different. It's like reading somebody's diary. You know, the volumes of music. Like you could you could I could yeah I, I can't yeah. make that kind of decision. Well, tell me then about off the the previous question. What was it that he did? Did he see himself here in these last few years as a mentor? He he was working with a lot of other artists here in this scene. I mean, you know, I I can't speak for his relationship between. Uh, artist and but I I have watched him you know help people like King and like uh, Third Eye Girl and all these other groups that have, are great you know seeing people that are great especially seeing people that are great from the Twin Cities and and giving them a boost you know and and saying he is the standard when it comes to musicality he is the standard performance. Uh, the the sound, yeah. the presentation, and so anybody that came under his wing was it's a great privilege, and he's been a mentor to a lot of people whether they thought of it as a mentorship or not. Just to be able to uh, be in his presence and work around him and see what what greatness looks like in the flesh. So you're you're also an instructor. To, I don't know if you had a class today or have a class or. Uh, yeah. class coming up. I'm just curious how, how the, the lesson plan changes today. Well, yeah, this is, you know, I have a, one of my last classes of the semester. It's, it's, it's a weird way to end the semester, but, you know, we're, I'm probably going to get together with a bunch of musicians tonight and just jam. That's kind of all you can do. And just go make, uh, all I tell people is, is just stick to Stick to the principles of being great, being yourself, and, and not backing down. But, you know, yeah, I don't know how much I should say on the radio, but wow. there, there's, there are a few things that bother me about the whole situation, but I'll keep that to myself. Well, Toki, I appreciate what you have said, and I appreciate you. I know you have to run, but I appreciate you giving me a few minutes of your time here today. Thank you. Toki Wright from uh, McNally Smith. College of Music. We're going to hear an update from Paisley Park uh, in just a moment and more calls. I'm sitting in a radio studio, and next to me is a uh, control room where a bunch of producers who are making this uh, broadcast possible. They're pushing all the buttons, making all the phone calls, and when that uh, song was just up, 
They were jamming. They were dancing, to be sure. Uh, what, a, what a mixed moment here for us all as we bring you live coverage from Minnesota Public Radio News of the death of Prince. Pop music superstar Prince found dead today at Paisley Park, age 57. His next birthday coming up in June. And we're taking your calls. We want to hear from you as well. 1-800-242-2828. Conrad is listening in St. Louis, Missouri. Hi, Conrad. Hi, are you there, Conrad? No, nope. let's. How about Jean Marie, who is in uh, Superior, Wisconsin? Jean Marie, are you there? Yes, sir. Go right ahead. Well, I am just absolutely flabbergasted and overwhelmed uh, hearing about. I was on Twitter and, and found out just, you know, right when the news broke, and I'm overwhelmed because I flew up from Dallas yesterday to Minneapolis and Duluth. And I was listening to 1999 yesterday, and I hadn't even turned my iPod on since last August. So that's a little um, goosebump raising. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, Prince is part of the soundtrack of many, many people's lives, including mine and the graduating class of 1983 from Duluth Cathedral. Uh, 1999 was sort of our anthem, and we had it blasting on senior skip day. And, um, my most memorable uh, recall of an encounter with Prince was uh, my friend Sue, her 19th birthday. We made a pilgrimage to First Avenue from Duluth, stayed in a very cheap motel attached to a bowling alley, of all things, because no one else would rent to us because we were so young. And uh, we were at First Ave, and Prince and his entourage were, were going by, and everyone had sort of parted like the Red Sea. And she took that opportunity to push me, and I landed on Prince uh, very <laughs> unexpectedly. And his bodyguard, uh, the one with the long, you know, white hair, uh, who you see in Purple Rain, grabbed me by my shoulders and stood me back up right and said, we don't touch the man. Uh, as, as you and say that, Jean Marie, continued out. <laughs> yeah. As you say that, Jean Marie, Heather McElhatton, my colleague here, who was Prince's set decorator, was nodding a lot here to that point as well. Just turn it so, uh, I was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, go I ahead, just. Heather. I just was. I was trying. I was there with you, thinking about you crashing into Prince, and I shuddered on your behalf because <laughs> I know how bad that is. I mean, you're not supposed to even look at him. Um, and you know, at first, I was. I thought, well, that's fancy. Don't look at him. But honestly, I think you preserved his physical space. You know, he his mind and how it worked and who it who he was. He required intense concentration, and yeah. I sometimes think that, like, the touching and the eye contact and the talking, he had to block it out. Jean-Marie, thanks so much for the phone call. Uh, do we have Tim Nelson now? Okay, Tim Nelson, a reporter here for Minnesota Public Radio News, uh, is out at Paisley Park as well and joins me. Tim, hello. Tim, are you there? No, we're not there. I, as we try to connect with Tim here, he's out in Chanhassen at Paisley Park. We were getting word that... There are miles of traffic heading into Chanhassen. We were hearing from First Ave earlier as well, uh, crowd forming down there in downtown Minneapolis. Just to, to repeat how this all played out this morning, I spoke with Andrea Swenson, who's with our sister music station, The Current, this morning. She started to get word, uh, tips this morning that something was wrong uh, out at Paisley Park. Uh, here in the newsroom at Minnesota Public Radio, just shy of noon, just before noon, we, we started hearing word as well. Uh, rumors on Twitter and the like. We hadn't confirmed it yet. Uh, and then I wrote down 12.10, 12.10 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's when the Associated Press 
uh, moved the story. I do believe TMZ, the website, had it a few minutes before that, but around 1210, we in fact got word here that uh, Prince had died at his home there, uh, which is also the recording studios, Paisley Park in Chanhassen, Minnesota at age 57. Uh, and we're hearing from you. I want to hear your thoughts here today as well. 1-800-242-2828. John uh, is in Minneapolis. Hi, John. Go right ahead. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say that, um, you know, it's very sad, of course. And uh, I was uh, not a real strong fan, but I loved his music. I'm a little bit too old probably to have, you know, to reminisce about, you know, being an adolescent fan. But I wanted to I had a friend's son come from the Netherlands, and he was doing his America tour, and he he stopped here, and he wanted to see Seventh Avenue. We never did get there, unfortunately, and he really liked Prince's music, and he is, you know, more than half my age. You know, uh, he did have, you know, he touched a lot of people, and yeah. I, I write his music was, was wonderful, and I also yeah. wanted to... John, I, I'm sorry, I have to jump in there. Your cell phone is breaking up. It's not the best connection, so uh, call back. We'd love to hear from you. As you do that, I want to do now. I do want to connect with Tim Nelson, our reporter for Minnesota Public Radio News, out at Paisley Park. Tim, uh, just tell me what you're looking at there, out at Paisley Park. Well, I'm standing right outside the gates of Paisley Park right now. Uh, there's probably two or three dozen TV cameras looking at the gate, and uh, there's. A huge number of fans out here, Tom. There's hundreds of people. They've now taken over the street in front of Paisley Park. Uh, they're actually, the Carver County is actually putting up barricades now in the middle of the street to try and keep people from getting any closer. Paisley Park itself looks relatively deserted. The parking lot is empty. There's a couple sheriff's deputies' cars there. There's a small group of people standing and talking at the gate, but there's there's just very little activity in the building itself. And, and, and what am I hearing? Am I hearing helicopters, Tim? What, what am I hearing behind you there? Yeah, that's right. There's a helicopter uh, about uh, 500 feet over my head right now. <laughs> They've blocked off this uh, Audubon, Audubon Road right here that runs south of Highway 5. There's uh, sheriffs and um, highway trucks blocking access to the road. So it's really become a, a, a huge gathering spot here, Tom, for fans and I can. I've been out here setting up and talking to folks coming and going, and uh, there's just a real sense of loss here. They they feel like Prince had had stayed loyal to Minnesota and had been our you know our favorite son right up until the very end. And for people who've never been out to Paisley Park, uh, it's just in a subdivision, Tim. There's so much about it that's just a regular subdivision, and then you have these gates around the property itself. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was out here, I don't know, about a month ago. Um, it, you know, this is a, it, it, if you didn't know it, you would drive by and think it was an, an office park. But you walk in that north door on the uh, north side of the performance space here that's on the west side of the building, and it's just, I mean, you can, you can feel, you can feel the magic there, Tom, when you walk in there. So wait, Tim, you were there for a concert, is that right? Yeah, I was. Yeah, we went and saw Morris Day, uh, I don't know, <laughs> three or four weeks ago. And, uh, you know, we had we got the opportunity to, to tour Paisley Park to go see his recording studios. And, I mean, you just you you feel it when you're there, Tom. 
Uh, Heather was nodding as well, because you've been out there a a hundred million times for sure. Well, I was going to say, please be careful driving. Those roads are treacherous, just even when conditions are good. They're narrow, um, curvy, and um, with the rain, I'm just a little bit worried about people going out there. But yes, the building, if you haven't seen Paisley Park, it's like a giant white block of ice, very (laughs) modern. Uh, stacked blocks of white, and inside it's very modern. Prince liked everything, cutting edge, modern, and white or purple. Those are really like his yeah. colors, his his scheme. And and but when you go inside, different parts of the building have different. They're almost like mini factories. Like so, there mm. is a uh, guitar factory. You know where all of his technicians are building guitars, and I mean it's incredible. Wow. And then there's a wardrobe factory. And he had an entire, basically, you know, a team of seamstresses who worked round the clock on outfits for him. It was an amazing place to walk into as well. Uh, Tim Nelson, our reporter uh, out at Paisley Park. Let's just also confirm, Tim. We've only heard the confirmation that Prince died. Has there been any? Other word from officials at the scene out there? There really hasn't been anything. It's uh, it's been, you know, they uh, they've moved the media around Audubon Road here a little bit, but uh, we haven't seen any vehicles coming or going. It's just been very uh, very somber out here. Uh, we also have uh, Tim, as you've been out there. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to also get a sense. Uh, I'm horrible at judging crowd size. Is it a couple hundred out there? We, we, we are hearing about the long traffic lines to get there, so I'm, I'm just trying to give me your best guess of how many people are out there right now. I would guess there are about 300 people out here right mm-hmm. now. I mean, they're, uh, it's, they are probably 10 or 15 deep uh, up and down the road, the block in front of this, uh, uh, right directly in front of Paisley Park here. Uh, there's a, a media camp now just south of the intersection of 5 and Audubon Road. There's uh, satellite trucks and awnings and cameras setting up here. It's, uh, I mean, this is clearly a, a, a major loss. Yeah. Well, and for what it's worth, and Tim Nelson, thanks so much uh, for that, for the, for checking in on that. For what it's worth, ever since we've been on the air, we have TV in here, Heather, and you know the, the networks, the cable networks have been wall-to-wall as well. I mean, this yeah. is an international story yeah. here today. And I wonder if they're reporting globally that it's raining here today. I mean, this feels like uh, the weather here is like everybody and everything is sad. And I wonder what it is about his music that brings out this emotion. I mean, you hear people talking, everyone who's calling in. It's real emotion, a connection. And the sense of loss. Well, and let's let's try to tap into that a little more because I I, I do want to hear from you. One eight hundred two four two twenty eight twenty eight. Essa is in uh, Minneapolis. Hello, uh, are you there? Yeah, hi. Go right ahead. Uh, well, I uh, grew up in Detroit, so I was a big Motown guy, and then uh, the whole Ann Arbor with the Stooges and the MC Five all happened, and then. Uh, Moved over Michigan, moved to here in Minneapolis in 1979. 1980, I was working at a music land store on 7th and Hennepin, and uh, we did an in-store with Prince, and he had a show at the Orpheum that week, and um, they didn't sell enough tickets. Uh, I believe we didn't have a pop radio station at that time, so nobody was playing the single, I Want to Be a Lover. And... Uh, he, uh, they were giving away tickets, so I got a pair of tickets <laughs> and uh, went and saw him when he had the leopard skin bikini bottoms on, and I was sold. Uh, all-star yeah. fanboy at that point. I saw him probably 20, 30 times, a lot of uh, First Avenue shows, six shows on the Love Sexy Tour, uh, major fan. 
Essa, thanks so much for the call. We also have on the phone now David Rivkin, who's in Burbank, California, one of the producers on uh, Purple Rain. David, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Thanks for your time. I know uh, we were getting connected there, and I appreciate your patience. Um, just tell me your thoughts here today. Well, my immediate thought was uh, this shouldn't. It just didn't seem like it should happen. He wasn't. He was a young guy, and it was just way too soon. Uh, and there was no reason. I mean, he was healthy and full of energy, and he, you know, he was throwing parties up until last week. I, I don't understand what happened. I guess we'll find out. But. Uh, he was he was never an, an abusive rock star at all. He was a very uh, you know straight up guy, and mm. you know it's surprising. What do you remember today as we remember Prince from that time, from producing Purple Rain? I mean, what are the stories coming into your head today to to just reflect upon? I just remember you know how humorous he was, and would start getting worked up and tell jokes and. I mean, he was a he was he was a typical Midwestern personality, hardworking. Um, you know, he had a great sense of humor, um, and it was, you know, I we didn't know what we were doing. We were just making <laughs> music to please ourselves. So that was you know that yeah. was that was cool. And yeah. He, 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 yeah, were you experienced enough as a producer to? you know, opine now about what it was about the music that was so extraordinary? I mean, or was it just so rocking good that you just liked it? Can, can you can you analyze it, or is it just that feel? No, it's not something I can analyze. It's only something you do. Um, I mean, I can pick it apart and whatever he particularly brought that was new, uh, you know, from the drum machines to the horn parts on the Oberheim synthesizer. I mean, he just had, he was so stylish and good, and he had a great sense of groove and melody and lyrics. I mean, he could do lyrics right off the top of his head that would be so deep and meaningful, um, and that's an amazing talent. David Rivkin with me from Burbank, California, one of the producers there on uh, on Purple Rain, Heather McElhatton here as well, a colleague of mine at Minnesota Public Radio, but also was Prince set director for 10 years. What would you add, Heather? Well, what he was saying about um, treating us well, he did. He, he, he worked us hard, and he had more energy than any human being I have ever known in my life. He could work for, uh, you know, many, many hours on end. But I had a memory triggered there where we were shooting once, hot summer day in Chanhassen, and... An ice cream truck must have gone by out on the main road and, you know, the grips and the electricians are like, ice cream. And Prince bought the whole entire inside, like just bought the whole truck out and they just wheeled the truck right into the studio, you know, opened the big garage door, wheeled the truck right in and just ice cream for everybody. And then, you know, back to work. Hey, David, do you remember the ice cream? I don't think I was there at that point. Very good. Well, we're, we're continuing our coverage here. We'd love to hear from you as well. 1-800-242-2828. We're continuing with David Rivkin in Burbank, California, one of the producers on Purple Rain. Heather McElhatton here in studio as well. As we remember Prince, um, what a headline. Prince has died at the age of 57. More, uh, more coverage coming up here on Minnesota Public Radio News.
Man, oh man, Raspberry Beret uh, by Prince. I'm Tom Weber. This afternoon we're bringing you live coverage from Minnesota Public Radio News of the news here out of Minneapolis. All eyes, I think pretty much globally, are on the Twin Cities right now. Pop star Prince found dead today at Paisley Park Studios in Chanhassen. The statement from the Sheriff's Department and the examiner, medical examiner's office say they're investigating the circumstances. We don't know the cause. We don't know how he died. We know that last week Prince's plane made a stop in Illinois because their singer was suffering flu-like symptoms, but his team said even though he was hospitalized, he was good to go. He even had a dance party Saturday at Paisley Park. Fans and press are out there, miles of traffic. And if you're driving out there, please uh, slow down as well. As Heather noted, it's fitting that uh, it's rainy. Uh, the roads are pretty bad uh, and slick. So Take your time getting out there because people will be out there for sure for a long time. David Rivkin is with me from Burbank, California, one of the producers on Purple Rain. I've also been joined here in the studio by Jim McGuinn from our sister music station, The Current. Uh, and David, uh, we, we tried to play with this definition a little earlier, and maybe it defines definition, but uh, the Minneapolis sound, how do you think of and, 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 uh, and, and define the Minneapolis sound? Well, the Minneapolis sound was Prince's way of uh, putting together elements that hadn't been put together before. I mean, he he introduced some certain things into rock music that uh, that weren't there before, like the LM1 drum machine, uh, the Lindrum, and and just a different way of doing doing the part. I mean, he did the horn parts on synthesizers to start with, and. Um, you know, he he didn't copy anybody. He just he just never wanted to copy anybody. Never wanted to do the same changes. And he he came out of there as a unique musician because there was nobody to copy anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we just had to do what we were doing in Minnesota. There was no precedent set for any kind of hit records out of Minnesota. And um, you know, he. He invented this style that, you know, it took him a little while because he had to push through, you know, a couple records to get it going. But yeah. um, he found his style and, and it locked in and became its own genre. David Rivkin from Burbank, I know you're only able to give us a few minutes, but I really appreciate your thoughts here today as we remember Prince. Um, final thoughts as we let you go? Uh I just, you know, I just remember the um, the sense of humor he had, and it just seems like it's it wasn't his turn. I don't know why uh, he would have died. It just kind of disheartening. He was not an old man; he was a young man, fifty-seven, but, um, fifty-seven years old, in fact, David. And yeah, right. Thank you. Thank you but, for your time. You know, you're welcome. Thank you. Jim McGuinn has returned. He was, if you're, if you know Minnesota Public Radio here, we have our sister music station, The Current. We're on the third floor. He's on the fourth. So you, you yeah. excuse yourself for a few minutes, but just tell me what's happening on the fourth floor here today. Well, you know, the same thing I think that's happening the world over, which is that uh, we're all stunned uh, and we're all trying to band together to kind of get through this together and celebrate the career and the legacy of such a great, uh, important artists, not just for Minnesota, but, yeah. but for the world. So so we've gone to um, All Prince Music, and we're kind of tracing his career chronologically, mm-hmm. and we're going to do that for the next several hours. Um, we're also going to uh, replay our Prince A to Z marathon starting tomorrow 
uh, I believe it's 6 o'clock on the local current stream. Mm-hmm. So you can find all that information at thecurrent.org. Um, and like you here, we're, we're reaching out to uh, his peers. Uh, well, he doesn't really have any peers, but the, the people right. that, that worked with him, either as musicians or uh, in the background with Prince over the years. And so we're, uh, we're scheduling more uh, more chats with, with more people and just taking in the reaction worldwide. And back to the phones, it is worldwide and it's nationwide. Uh, in Seattle, Washington, we have a call. Uh, Roland. Hi, Roland. Hey, hi there. Go right Terrible ahead. Bird. Yeah, go right ahead. Um, my, my story is I uh, went to see Prince uh, in Vancouver, Canada on one of his tours and, um, you know, uh, I had the I was a, in the fan club and they let us go into the sound check and he waved to us from the stage and, you know, we waved back and then I asked him the question and he came over to the end of the stage and jumped off the stage and stood in front of me and he said, I want to make sure I can hear you so I can answer your question properly. Hmm. And uh, I we, we talked for about a half an hour and then at one point I asked him, are you going to have an after party? considering this is the first day on your Canadian tour. He asked around, everybody was running around, nobody knew, and he said, can we get one for this guy and his friends? And, you know, after the sh- during the show, he brought me up on stage. I <laughs> remained there the rest of the show. <laughs> and <laughs> I know, right? And then after the show, uh, some people came up to me and they said, this is where the party's at. Just invite some of your friends. Try to keep it small. Uh, you know, I went there. Uh, he had a great time. He rented out the entire hotel bar and then he showed up and he motioned for me to come over to his table and we just sat there until, I don't know, maybe six in the morning and I had to sadly leave because I had to go to my job. Yeah. Roland, hey, thanks for the story. I appreciate it's amazing. it. amazing. It's a great story. We're hearing a lot of great <laughs> stories here today. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I, I Thank you for the call. I really also can't help but uh, notice that, just a coincidence here, Jim, this morning. I was doing an interview. Guy came in, drove in from the north suburbs here in the mm-hmm. Twin Cities and said, yeah, it was snowing a little bit. And sometimes it snows in April. Sometimes it snows in April. Sometimes I feel so bad, so bad. Sometimes I wish that life was never ending And all good things they say never last Springtime was always my favorite time of year Time for lovers holding hands in the rain Now springtime only reminds me of Tracy's tears Always cry for love, never cry for pain Jim McGuinn, um... That's the same artist who rocks out with 1999. Yeah, you know, I mean the 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 spectrum of even the genre, you know, the genre spectrum. I don't know what the phrase is, but there's there's a lot of breadth to the music, and uh, over the course of 
almost 40 years of making records. You know, he's 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 gone a lot of different directions. He's he's also, you know, had the freedom and the courage to explore all those different directions. And if he wants to make a a jazz record, mm-hmm. he he made a jazz record. If he wanted to make a solo record, you know, he made a solo, you know, real solo sparse record. Uh, he's 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 explored all the nuances of his artistry yeah. and 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 there's a there's there's probably a handful of people like that. Like you think of somebody like Neil Young or somebody in that vein where they're, they're unafraid to uh, push all the stylistic expectations and boundaries out the window. We're also uh, inviting your comments. And I know a lot of people are sharing online at NPR news, NPR, Amazon, Minnesota, NPRnews.org slash live. And, uh, producer Maddie Mahon here. Uh, what are people uh, saying? Hi, Maddie. Hi. Yostif says, because of Prince, I will always remember my first kiss. It was on my first date in late September 1984 in a small town theater playing Purple Rain. Mm. How many how many stories like that, Jim, right, are out there? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. All, you know, we, uh, these are the musicians that we mark events of our lives by, you know. And, and sadly, now we're going to mark this event today yeah. by... Um, by this impact it's going to have on us all. To the phones, Aaron is in Egan. Hi, Aaron. Are you there? Hello? Hi, Aaron. Go right ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, mention the time that I met Prince. Um, I used to be a DJ back in the late 90s in a, at a Mexican restaurant called Chi Chi's. It was a little small hole-in-the-wall dive bar. And... Um, one night I'm spinning and I look up and I see big burly guys coming in the door and I'm like, who are these guys? Are they the Vikings or something? You know? <laughs> and I was having the waitress and the bartenders, they all start running off throughout the place. The place is just going crazy. And I'm like, what's going on? And then the waitress walks up to me and says, Prince is here. Prince is here. And I'm like, what? They're like, Prince is here. Talk about a man shit. Oops, sorry. Did I say that word? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a man pooping in his pants. I yeah, uh, Aaron. Thanks for the call. A funny story there uh, from Aaron about Prince just walking, but that happened yeah. a lot for a guy who was so reclusive. We're talking to a lot of people today that yeah. had personal experiences <laughs> with him, and that may be also what made those experiences more meaningful. Was that the reputation and the you know, the mystique of Prince. And then you kind of saw that maybe behind that, he, he you know, he, he put his socks on one yeah. leg at a time too. The most successful period in Prince's career we're talking about, and we've heard here today, the mid-80s, when Wendy uh, Melvoin, uh, Melvoin? I'm sorry, I'm pronouncing that Melvoin, wrong. Yeah, Melvoin, yeah. yeah. And Lisa Coleman were in his band, The Revolution. And NPR's Jim Bickle from Minnesota Public Radio talked to them about that experience in this interview Uh, recorded in 2012, Lisa Coleman described how Prince hired her to be a keyboard player in the band. Uh, I'm from Los Angeles, and one of my best friends got a job working for his management company, which was based out here. And it was just as simple as um, he was looking for a female keyboard player, and I sent um, a tape. If anyone out there knows what a cassette is, (laughs) um, (laughs) I happened to send a cassette to Prince, and... um, Oh, I remember a cute little detail that it arrived on his birthday. So it was June. I had just uh, finished up um, high school or maybe a first semester of junior college or something silly. (laughs) And um, uh, I wished him a happy birthday on the tape. And I sang a couple songs and played piano. And 
he liked it and sent for me. And um, that was it. He picked me up at the airport, and we went to his house, and uh, he pointed me towards the piano. I think he just wanted to eavesdrop on me. He was like, just make yourself at home. I'm going to go make some tea. And I went downstairs and played the piano, and later I found out from his girlfriend at the time that he was standing at the top of the stairs spying on me and listening. But he liked what he heard, so... I had a feeling he was eavesdropping too, so I like pulled out all my best stuff, all my like hardest pieces. <laughs> and the first tour you were on was the Dirty Mind tour, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's right. And what was what was it like uh, jumping into that music? It was fun. It was crazy. It was weird. It was I didn't know what to. I mean, from everything from like I didn't even know what you do when you get to the hotel. You're on the road. You get to the hotel, and then I was like, oh, well, now what? You know, oh, sound check. You know, somebody slipped something under my door. What's a sound check? So things like that I didn't even know. But but uh, performance-wise, it really, I just, I seemed to take to it. You know, my shyness, it gave me a, a forum to kind of let my inner freak out. <laughs> so uh, now, Wendy, you joined the band in 1983, right before the, the, the giant, uh, the big year of 84 or 85, right? So what was, what, what was, what was the scene when you, when you, came on when he formally asked me it was the winter of 83 and asked me in new york city at uh one of our sound checks um if to play with the band and i did and then it was i went home the next couple days and he called me at mine and lisa's apartment and lisa called me first i think and was saying you're gonna you're gonna be expect a phone call from prince yeah. he's gonna be calling well, us prince, like, well, prince had called me after wendy uh Checked his guitar. I, I think it was his guitar. Yeah. He, he asked you to, well, check, because he knew that she played and whatever, the, make a longer, long story shorter. Um, he called me in my hotel room after she left and asked if I would mind if she, if he asked her to be in the band. Um, and uh, and I said, no, I thought that would be great. And I told him how much, how she had been a fan for so long. So I guess then cut to him calling Wendy and asking her to be in the band. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I was, of course, floored and happy. Members of the Revolution here as we listen back to some archive tape here at Minnesota Public Radio as we bring you live coverage and will uh, for the remainder of this hour of the news out of Carver County, Minnesota. Prince was found dead at Paisley Park Studios in Chanhassen today. The statement from the Sheriff's Department and the medical examiner's office say they're investigating the circumstances of the death. So we don't have a cause. We don't know. Uh, we don't know what happened. Um, people uh, were sharing a lot here today at, uh, on, on the phone here and on, online at nprnews.org slash live. And Maddie Mahon is checking in with our, our online traffic. Hi, Maddie. Hey, online. And Neil Dash says, one time I met the First Lady of the United States, and in the first few seconds I had to chat with her, we talked about the show Prince did at the White House. Fans <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I love that story. I love that. And like Lucas says, I once snuck onto the grounds of Paisley Park and then drove to Lake Minnetonka and jumped yes. in Purple Rain style. Purify yourselves for sure. In the waters, we heard in that interview there about his birthday, too. They had sent the cassette tape. Yes, I think, Heather, we remember cassette tapes for sure. I absolutely do. <laughs> his birthday, June 7th. He would have been. He's a Gemini. 58 years old. He would have been. He's 57 years old yeah. as we get the news here. Uh, today. Did he ever celebrate the birthday? Was there big bashes all the time? No, no. He was very, very private. 
And when he retired to his a personal space, so he had an apartment inside Paisley Park where he could kind of go relax. And one of the reasons we could keep working around the clock, um, he kept that part. That's the one place in Paisley Park I never set foot, mm. which is strange because he wanted everything decorated and, and fixed up. But that was his private space. And I think he was the same way about his birthday and his family, mm -hmm. surely, and his close friends. He, for how public he was, he was an intensely private person, too. Heather McElhatton, that's who you're hearing there. A colleague of mine here, uh, coincidentally here at Minnesota Public Radio, but was Prince's set director for 10 years. And we've been hearing from people all day, actually, here in the Twin Cities across Minnesota who had that interesting connection, a lot of connections here um, to working for Prince, obviously seeing Prince a lot at, at shows. And we had a great call earlier um, from Chanhassen itself, the suburb where he lived, about wanting to go to the grocery store at 3 a.m. because that's when he did it. Uh, Robert is on the phone in Brooklyn Center. Hi, Robert. Your thoughts here hi. today. Um, hi. Uh, I have a couple of Prince memories. One of them is um, uh, when my dad was between jobs, I uh, apprenticed with him installing blinds. And our um, we kept the blinds in a storage locker in Chanhassen, and it was right across the street from Paisley Park. Hmm. And um, I just remember seeing it, and just there was kind of a aura about it. And I wasn't too big of a Prince fan then, but I just recognized that there was something important going on there. And as, as time went on, I, you know, discovered more about him and you know, listen to Purple Rain front to back and Dirty Mind front to back and just he um it's very hard for me right now. I Yeah. Robert, I'm I I'm glad you called though. Uh you're not the only one for whom it's uh, very hard right now, so thank you very much uh, for calling, Heather. You you can hear in his voice, mm -hmm. you know, the true emotion and mm -hmm. true connection and there's probably my favorite Prince line is, Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. And I think his music helped many of us do that. And that his loss is, that's why it's hitting people in a profound and authentic way. And you can hear it. And it's coming in from all corners of the world. We think of Prince as Minnesotan. Right. But he's not. He's ev He's everywhere. Although... The Minnesotan part of him was so beloved by all of us here that he stayed, right? We've heard about that throughout the coverage. Well, and today, don't you too. don't you think it's cool that he kept Paisley Park here? He could have put that anywhere, yeah. you know, and most people would have. Los Angeles, New York, any place, but he kept it here. And I think one of the reasons his sound was so original and he was so original is that he did things his way and, and you couldn't always understand it. And <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of people like, I'm sorry built your sound studio where you know <laughs> uh in in a suburb of, of minnesota but to him it was home and he never lost touch with that he never lost touch with where he came from and what mattered to him a uh, a suburb to the west of minneapolis chanhassen which is where paisley park is and where there's a huge crowd actually as we're hearing as well and a lot of traffic to get out there that's also where andrea swenson is she's a uh, reporter and vlogger for our sister music station the current uh, and Andrea joins me now. Andrea, uh, where 
what is the scene now? What are you seeing uh, out at Paisley Park? Hi, Tom. Uh, so the crowd, as you mentioned, is continuing to grow. They actually shut down the street in front of Paisley Park. So all the, the traffic is basically all along County Road 5 just jammed of people trying to get here. Um, trying to get close to the park, and then the people that have been able to get here are gathering right outside. Uh, there's a, a memorial that is growing by the minute, lots of flowers being attached to the gates of Paisley Park, and people just kind of here to support each other and grieve together. A lot of purple in the crowd. Yeah, too. you've been. Have you been visiting with people? What What are people saying uh, as they as they talk about this? Um, mostly that you know sharing the story of what was what they were doing when they heard the news. Um, we spoke to one guy who biked here from Chaska as soon as he heard, because he wanted to get here as soon as possible. Um, and everyone's pretty much in shock. I mean, trying to share stories and trying to, to support one another. Um, and I, there's actually a couple cars set up playing Prince music, so mm. I was invited to join that little party <laughs> in a bit. <laughs> have you heard anything more? Do Have we heard anything more on, on all the questions we have about how this happened? I have not heard anything more. I mean, honestly, at this moment, you probably know just as much as I do because um, mm-hmm. you're connected to what's coming over the wire. But, uh, yeah, no, nothing more circulating here. So, Andrea, I, I don't even know if you've thought about this, but what do you plan to do out there? What are you, what are you, what are you looking to get? I mean, you're, you're working as well, but you're also very much a fan. So what's your plan here for the rest of the day? Yeah, I mean, I've been taking calls from around the world, honestly. Uh, people wanting to know what's happening here at, in Chanhassen. And so uh, as soon as, I, uh, as my phone stops ringing, I think my plan is maybe to head to First Avenue next. There's also a memorial mm-hmm. uh, there. And I've heard some rumblings that there might be um, an event coming together. So uh, definitely keep people updated on that. Surely we will uh, keep in touch uh, there as well. But Andrea Swenson, thanks so much um, for being out there and uh, for giving that update. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Back to the phones. At, uh, actually, before the phones, another comment here online. Hi, Maddie. Hey, Cam- National Public Radio's Carrie Johnson just tweeted, have more or less given up now openly dancing in the cubicle to the Current's live stream of Prince songs. Because why not? Go to thecurrent.org. They're streaming uh, nothing but Prince here for today and I think tomorrow, too. Uh, Jim McGuinn actually joins us back from yeah. The Current. And actually, Jim, you stepped out to do an interview, right? I mean, uh, I was just talking with um, a television network in ireland i mean it's it's why not? we are ground central you're ground you're ground zero for for this story right now mm. so I, I think i have the bbc in like 10 minutes so so people are, are coming to us as people that you know have had these encounters over the last several years uh with prince since he moved back to town and um you know the whole world is trying to just figure out i, I understand it you know yeah Another call here. Cindy uh, is in Minneapolis. Hi, Cindy. Hi, how are you? Go right ahead. Sad day for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to high school at Edison High School in Northeast Minneapolis, and Prince's stepmom worked there at the time, back in 1975-76, and there were times when she had to bring her son, Roger Nelson, to school after a doctor's appointment or dentist appointment, and I worked in the attendance office, so she'd always call me into her office to sit and chat with her son. And I remember those days really well, and I remember he always talked about playing music and that someday he wanted to be famous. Uh, what impressed me most in those days was the huge afro that he had. But uh, he was just a soft-spoken guy. 
my heart was always with him. When he did become famous, I was an instant fan and um, watched him film Purple Rain downtown. Just such a part of Minneapolis history. Cindy, thanks so much uh, for the call as you were talking. Uh, and again, Jim, this is another impression. Yes, you just did an interview in Ireland. Yeah. We're getting word and, and statements from you know, elected officials, that, which is kind of a rare thing. Usually the, yeah. the governor will send out a statement if a politician has died. But Governor Dayton here in Minnesota sent out this statement saying, Prince and his music defined an era. His tremendous talent was matched only by his generosity and commitment to improving his community. Minnesotans and our nation mourn the loss of a great artist today, one who has left an unforgettable mark on music history and whose contributions to the betterment of our state will be remembered for years to come, trying to improve the community. Well, he did seem very involved in the community from our perspective. You know, he was curious about the music and also uh, curious about people's lives and wanted to be part of it. And um, it, it is... Yeah, someone was asking me today about, uh, you know, what is it like, what's going on in Minnesota? And I, and I think, you know, I don't want to say we took we took Prince's presence for granted, but we got to stop and remember that every time there was an event at Paisley Park, people came in from around the world. Yeah. If well, Prince was going to perform yeah. at Paisley Park, <laughs> you had people booking plane tickets from across the globe on, to yeah, come on, see that. On a day's notice. On a day's notice. I have a friend who said, I think they met someone who'd flown in from Tokyo. Yeah. And, and think of how much that plane ticket costs. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. But that kind of experience, well, you know, is is so priceless. When you got to see someone like Prince playing at, in his, you know, in his essentially in his living room mm-hmm. at Paisley Park, and uh, those sets... That's the thing that I keep thinking about now are the the experiences, you know, seeing him the last several times at Paisley Park and um, the kind of uh, the, the, the playfulness, the mischievousness that he had uh, about his his uh, his playing and, and just always a joy to uh, and sometimes confounding, but always right. a joy to uh, to be there in Prince's presence. Final thought, Heather. I just, I remember that people would, would join in. You know, you would never know who would come to jam. I mean, Morris Day, Rosie Gaines, The Steels. And he was so open and generous that way in supporting other artists. And that was part of the beauty of his music, too. Heather McElhatton, a colleague here at Minnesota Public Radio News, but was a set decorator for Prince for 10 years. Heather, hey, thanks so much for sitting in here. I appreciate it. And Jim McGuinn from The Current, our music sister station. More continues, the music continues at thecurrent.org as well and at uh, thelocalcurrent.org. So thanks for your time as well, Jim. The news today, remember this date, April 21st, 2016. Prince found dead at Paisley Park Studio today in Chanhassen. That's a suburb of Minneapolis here in Minnesota. He was 57 years old. No word on the cause of death. Uh, medical Medical examiner's office continues to investigate. This is Minnesota Public Radio News. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun, day or night. 
So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one, Doctor, everything will be alright. I'm Tom Weber. Coverage continues at nprnews.org and thecurrent.org. Support comes from Dermatology Consultants, providing screening, diagnosing, and treatment of skin cancer. Offering a special skin screening event Saturday, April 30th for Skin Cancer Awareness Month. Locations and more at DermatologyConsultants.com. Dermatology Consultants, skin care experts. All things considered, coming up next year on Minnesota Public Radio News, 91.1 KNOW, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Listener-supported radio and coverage, of course, continues in all things considered and at nprnews.org. 56 right now. Light rain. It's raining here in the Twin Cities, but be with that when it rains. Follow the news and continue to stay up to date.